Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode where I get to speak to incredible people from around the world and today's guest is only from just down the road really, just a few miles down the road in Birmingham. Um, today's guest is Harjinder Kaur. Harjinder has got a, a varied uh, um, sort of experience at the very top of some significant organizations but this week uh, we're celebrating her moving on to a brand new organization so she is now head of workforce for an organization called uh, First Group PLC which is part of the West Coast Partnership responsible for transportation, rail networks, it's a really really complex and involved industry so I'm really fascinated to learn how she's going to um, lead that organization from an HR perspective to create the culture uh, that uh, we think we need in today's workforce. Harjinder and I have had conversations already prior to me clicking on that record button and I know that she's had some vast experience and has got some really, really interesting ideas, particularly around the issues around intergenerational workforces. So, hey, welcome to the podcast, Harjinder. It's really, really good to have you here and I cannot wait for our conversation. Morning, uh, Cole. Thank you for inviting me. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been an exciting journey, but I'm glad to be here and whatever I can share in terms of my kind of interests and where I think leadership is going and heading and the changes that are are that we yeah. need to prepare for. I think, it, it more importantly, um, I'm happy to kind of share the, that those thoughts with you this morning. Thank you so much. Well, listen, first and foremost, congratulations on your brand new job. I think you've only been there what a week two weeks week. something like that <laughs> a week, a week. <laughs> and you seem so relaxed about it all it's just the mark of a professional so I mean you've touched upon there Arjinder how the world constantly is evolving and changing and it's a real passion of mine this is that particularly I, I always reflect back to you know recent developments like uh, lockdown covid and I think that that was like a real pivotal moment for us as human beings and for organizations if we were alive to that, because people changed their priorities, their thinking, they reflected more on their values and people came to their workforce uh, with a different, with different expectations and a different philosophy. And on top of that, we've now got these uh, generational uh, gaps that have, uh, have have evolved and certainly when you look at Generation Z for example and the young people who have been through these incredibly difficult challenging times over the last few years how they're emerging from that how do you think 
What do you, what, no, what do you think are the key challenges for organisations who really manage this level of difference across the board? So, so very interesting question. Um, I think if you look at where we are now, we're, we're managing five generations of a workforce. Mm. So you're sitting next to, in, in, in your whatever company, place, organisation, you're actually sitting next to kind of working, collaborating with, being managed by, managing working with five generations so your traditionalists yeah. your bloomers your generation x your millennials and then everybody who's kind of born in the 2020 which i'll come on to in a little while mm. and in terms of those individuals their expectations um i mean clearly traditionals bloomer, bloomers have evolved over time and their expectations yeah. are going to be very different their perceptions their expectations what they want from work today is very different and i think it's more important now for our leaders um our companies our branding to reflect what those expectations are otherwise we will be stuck in this rant of turnover uh lack of motivation morale mm. engagement which i think is really really the most important softer aspects of work which are becoming very very important today i'm so pleased that you've picked up on this Harjinda. i just want to sort of interrupt you and you talking about you know this lack of motivation the changes in workforce and we've seen this haven't we we've seen uh the great resignation more and more people choosing to leave organizations maybe the organizations that they've been in for a long time people who are working to the minimum standard what they call mm. quite quitting and of course we've seen unprecedented levels of industrial action as well uh, so all of this demonstrates or should send a message out to organizations and leaders say Something's not quite right and we need to understand what the difference is in the world now. The message to leadership out there is to reflect, to understand the demographics of their workforce, to understand what they're recruiting in, to actually acknowledge the people that are in the business and yeah. look at what they want because it's not all about recruitment, you know, we're, we're focusing on our kind of new generation, new people coming in. It's also about acknowledging what people, um, the existing workforce and, and, and those individuals need as well. Yeah. So it's, it's about that kind of audit trail and audit right from uh, the, the outset and reflecting the employee life cycle from, from, from that point of view, right from recruitment, right to development, training, your rewards, your benefits absolutely critical and also most importantly i think what what, what this, this session is about is the leadership style that needs to be adapted to work with those individuals in terms of what they want so that that's that's really important uh, the interesting thing around all of this for me is that um, you've not talked about any sort of technicalities you've not talked about any metrics everything that you've talked about i think is extremely important but it's all human centric in essence, we're talking about how can we get the best out of the human beings and the diversity of human beings that come into our workforce. And in order for us to do that, we have to be the very best leaders for those human beings. And consequently, yeah. you know, the, 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 the podcast is called Human Centred Leadership, which is a real passion of mine. Um, so what do you think are the skill sets that leaders need? What are the new skill sets that they need to have? Or what are the most prominent skill sets that we need to be having with across our leadership? So if you think about, uh, uh, you can probably look at your manager, leader, 
separated by tiers. But overall, I think you're looking at, first of all, really, really good at mentoring, coaching individuals and making sure that individuals are learning. So gone are the days where you put people onto training courses and here's all your training. There's a lot of learning on the job. Particularly the younger generation prefer to actually learn from individuals who have... Um, built their experiences through time and it's good to complement some of those skills so this is where your complementary generation sits and and how you build and you share that collaboration so you've got generational leaders who have well experienced in in the workplace and you've got new individuals coming on on and how do they learn from each other? How do they work with each other? So that collaboration piece and being able to communicate effectively is yeah. absolutely important, that mentoring aspect, that developmental aspect. The other one for me is probably really good at, um, and I've touched on communication, but you could talk about communication all day. How do you give feedback? How do you mm. nurture that development? How do you nurture that talent? I mean, gone are the days where you put performance reviews in place and here's your appraisal and I'm going to give you this at the end of the year. It's gone. I think this is about ongoing feedback, feedback in the moment, and managers being able to really communicate that effectively in a style that resonates with that with that generational workforce and and in order for that to happen we have to create a culture where that kind of feedback is is uh, is felt to be okay and the norm and people feel brave enough to give honest feedback Absolutely. and pe- people are have the courage to be able to accept feedback yeah. as well yeah. and that's yeah. about culture change for me and you know a lot of what you're talking about, you know, really resonates with me, Hajinda, because what we're talking about is traditionally what organisations have called soft skills. But I don't think that these are soft skills. I think these are hardcore skills and becoming more so uh, as, as time moves forward, don't you think? Staying with the skills, I think two are the critical skills, which I know I've heard you talk about, emotional intelligence. So this is the actual well-being, the nurturing our new generational millennials they they want that regular feedback they want to know how they've got on now i'm going to i'm going to share my experience i've managed four four cohorts of graduates in 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 a role that i've done and i've had graduates come back and say i'm not quite sure how i'm doing i want to know and my advice to them was to go and speak to their managers more regularly don't wait until the end of the year or the mid-year to do that more regularly and ensure that the managers are aware that they need that kind of confidence they need that feedback more regularly um, than we might have done previously in five to ten years you've got experienced leaders who are fine with that they don't need that whereas actually there's a different type of expectation from 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 the younger generation the the other hard skill is digital Digitalization. I know we're talking about soft humanistic, but yeah. digitalization is quite important. I mean, clearly skills have moved on. How do you recruit for more for the, the younger generation coming forward, our millennials? Long gone are those application forms that you fill in and you sit and you do and you form. And <laughs> that you, you and I have filled in many a time, I'm sure. Yeah, it's that easy apply. I mean, our younger generation are getting frustrated with that. You can tell. And that lots of research out there to suggest that the way we recruit, the way we design our interview processes, the way leaders are, are interviewing and um, 
that talent reflect that talent attraction piece has become um, has moved on. It's it's actually moved a phase, and you know our, our younger generation is looking at more social, digital. You know, how do you recruit? You put it on Instagram or Snapchat yeah. or um, even Facebook is kind of becoming outdated, which is basically some of the some of the um, uh, technology that Generation X used. You know, it's it's moving on so quickly, but that's a leadership skill that leaders need to adapt and, and make sure that it's, it's built in there. And I, I'm just coaching. One of my coaching clients at the moment is a head of ICT uh, for an organization. And we were talking about digital skills and we we're talking about automation and, and, and AI and how, you know, the perception that's been promulgated in the press is that AI is going to take over, that it sits on its own and AI takes away your ability to, to discriminate and to learn yourself and have conscious thought when actually he says, well, actually AI is none of that. AI is a tool that helps to speed up some of your thinking uh, and it should only be used as a tool. And some of the younger people, he says, get it. Some of the older people in our organization really struggle with it and see it as a threat. So I think we're feeding into some some of that area as well. And this is the generational thinking, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, and, and I think digitalization and the technology piece absolutely sits in there because you know, I mean, even I'm talking about myself. My my son is actually well ahead, and and talks to me, and I say, oh, how do you do this? And it's kind of learning from him on how how you do things. This is where I think leadership is quite important because that kind of multi general multi-generational diversity is important particularly around that collaboration it's important that generations learn from each other and they collaborate in the workplace and leadership encourages that to its full potential so we get the best out of everybody mm-hmm. it's not about here you won't we're focusing on this group because they're leading edge they they know what they're doing they've come in new it's about reflecting and learning and getting them to collaborate they'll be learning from from each generation in the workplace and that's what gives us the creativity and that commercial edge that's that's really important and the other advantage of you know you're talking about five generations of people being in any one organization at any one time i mean i think that's a rich source of uh, cognitive diversity mm. thought diversity <laughs> different approaches different ways of thinking around the challenges in this incredibly dynamic world in which we exist so we should be celebrating this kind of diversity absolutely yes. and creating yes. the very best environment where each and every single one of those individuals can contribute uh, and i think one thing that i've found in all the research i've been doing around organizations um, is that there are so many organizations that are still stuck in a way of doing things that it is no longer relevant in today's world for example having a very hierarchical command control style yeah. Yeah. Of structure And we know that some of the younger generations don't really resonate with that. They want a collegiate, collaborative working environment, right? So what can organisations do to shift to to being being this? It's a very, very interesting point. So the shift around that status is, is kind of diminishing, you know. You know, having the hybrid working and open offices has actually encouraged and made that easier so i mean in my last organization and and this is in my previous consultancy days as well it wasn't about the managing director or the partner going in and sitting in an office doing their own thing it was about sitting next to a graduate 
and uh, an associate and learning from them. And I think the boundaries and the barriers have been broken down by this new style of working and moving into open offices and and that kind of collaboration. So by default, that's already sort of happening. I think more importantly, it's around some of the softer skills that we build in some more, more in, in some some of the more younger generations you know so softer skills are quite important most of them have those technology they have the financial skills they've got the hard skills it's around confidence building it's about the communication it's about some of the life skills and i my experience uh, recently i had one of the graduates and i said oh have you have you spoken to the chief officer who is responsible for your area of work and he went oh am i allowed to go and talk to him and i went when you sit next to him, that you should be actually collaborating and talking to him. And they felt, st- oh, because he's so high in status, are we allowed to do that? So I think it's really important that some of our and I guess leaders- that's like a remnant of that hierarchical mindset. That's right. Yeah, right? yeah. It's important that our leaders make sure that the environment is safe for them to come and do that. That's another really, really soft skill, which is really important. And you've got to be that approachable, personable person, open door, come and speak to me. It doesn't matter who you are. Status isn't important. And, you know, it's learning from each other, challenging each other. And, you know, if you've seen something, you've watched a video, you've been in a meeting, those individuals are able to come and share that and say, oh, here's my thought process on that what do you think i know i don't know everything but you know that's what i thought so i think it's important to open up that communication i can't and you know underestimate the the amount and and focus on the communication element which is becoming really really important in the in the leadership um, Uh, one one of the things that uh, i often talk about and um i I, i'm running a a three-month program for psychologists by the way uh, who are aspiring to become doctors of psychology. We're on the fifth cohort of that. And here's me. I had to pinch myself. Like, essentially, I'm teaching psychology to psychologists. Uh, but the yeah. consistent feedback that I get is that I, I bring psychology to, a li- to life with the experiences and the stories that I'm able to share. Uh, and one of the fundamentals of leadership, I think, is around the ability to build relationships. And I remember when I was a young guy, um, I didn't know how to build those relationships. Nobody guided me. And actually, the organization in which I worked with the police service wasn't geared up for that. It was extremely hierarchical when I was a young guy. And I think most organizations are beginning to do that shift. But I always say, don't forget, every single person in the organization is a human being and therefore will have the ability or will have the space inside their head and even maybe the desire to connect with other human beings because we're social animals, right? Yes. So just having the courage to reach out and start building relationships on even a a non-work issue can have outstanding results. And if you look at modern organisations that are in the workplace now, the social element is becoming so much more important, that social collaboration outside of work. And actually that is more important as you get to know somebody better outside of work, you're actually, your work relationships will improve overall because that trust, confidence, you'll be able to come and speak to you. If I could just stop you there, I mean, when we talk about underrepresented groups and we talk about the the social connections that you you have, uh, oftentimes the social connections were really geared towards certain areas like you know going out drinking together being in the football team together being in the netball team all the sailing clubs we used to have 
what you're talking about when you're talking about these social outside of work connections, it's, it's far wider than that. Mm. Um, and, you know, whereas before certain people from certain cultures or certain demographics might say, I'm not the person to go to the pub. I'm not the person to join, do that kind of thing. There are other ways of socially connecting with other people outside of work that can still get you recognised and, uh, and and that you are not this this forgotten face in their mindset that you, you are really up front and centre. Yeah, and, and there's a big there's a big focus on engagement now. And one of those elements is around relationships being built outside of work and those social events which are outside of kind of, you know, um, the, the meal or the pub. It's kind of social events around away days, um, joint team days. It's going out and actually giving people an opportunity to network better and build their relationships so that confidence and they're able to give their, their, their best at work. And you touched earlier on a point, just just coming back to technical and emotional leadership mm. it's quite important and you, you talked about psychologists and, and and i think you probably got people like doctors and accountants i mean doctors probably less but probably talking about accountants it people there's a different type of skill set skill set that sits in those leaders as opposed to other kind of front-facing public-facing leaders uh, doing those doing those jobs and you do get this high IQ but low EQ so you've got individuals who are so highly have such such advanced knowledge and so technically capable they're actually some of their people skills are much down and you can see the correlation on that and I've I've certainly experienced that in my in my work life and that's basically down to behavioral preferences certain organizations will attract certain behavioral preferences so you know working with computers or working in accounts something detailed is more likely to attract people who are logical and people who are more much more introverted but that doesn't mean that they can't actually have the social skills. We just need to develop those social skills, right? Yeah, it's important that those are recognised and developed, though. I think otherwise you have got teams coming in who then suffer as a result because their leader hasn't got the necessarily pe- necessary people and kind of leadership skills that they need to lead the team, even though they might be... A- Here's the important thing, I think, I absolutely agree with what you're saying, but traditionally in organisations, we would have accepted that, right? We would have said, oh yeah, okay, so they work in finance or they work in, in, in IT, so that's what they're expected to be. But we recognise in this conversation what we're saying essentially is that if you're a leader, essentially that means you have the responsibility of leading people. And if you're leading yes. people, you have to get the best out of those people. You Absolutely. have a responsibility as leaders to create future leaders. And you're not going to do that just by focusing in on your IQ or your technical abilities. I think an important, an important part of that evolution then for our leaders in terms of developing them is actually picking that up at things like promotion, development, when you're progressing them. Are they ready for those roles? Have they got the people leadership skills to do those? Mm-hmm. And if they haven't, how do we equip them? to 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 build those and have those and sometimes it's it, it is difficult i'm going to be truly honest about this you have got individuals who have a personality of natural leadership and they're going to be able to do it alongside their job and there is then the other side where you've got people who no matter how much training you give to them they just don't have that natural flair for mm. people leadership and there i've seen teams suffer as a result which i think is quite sad 
um, when you listen to some of the staff feedback as a result, that's quite daunting in terms of, okay, well, my career suffering because my leader can't, you know, give me appropriate feedback or yeah. doesn't know how to give feedback or doesn't give regular feedback and I don't know what I'm doing wrong and how I should improve myself. One of the responsibilities is on the organisations to promote people, not just because of their technical skills, but to recognise that the, certainly the higher up you go in, in an organisation, the more and more collegiate, collaborative, uh, emotionally incentive, emotionally intelligent person that you need to be because leadership should really yeah. be about influencing people and to influence yes. people, as opposed to order people, to influence people requires a depth of skill set. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you, if I mean, you just need to look at LinkedIn jobs pages now for your chief officer roles. I mean, you know, you see less of that technical emphasis. Yes, you do. Yeah. The emphasis is more on people-centric, human-centric. It's on the ability to communicate, influence, lead, um, change, um, you know, transform. But... I think those elements will just will see more of that going forward in terms of focus and um, requirement because of the, the nature of who they will be working with and collaborating with and managing uh, yeah. going forward. Otherwise, we'll get this huge, you know, you'll get this churn of a circle where you're bringing new people in. They're young, intelligent, motivated, highly technical, but you've lost them. Along the way, you've lost them somewhere, which then creates a problem. I find that really fascinating. And, and I think, you know, in a very simple way, you've explained the importance of being human-centric as a leader. And I think you're absolutely right. And in today's era, more than any other era, it, it is absolutely the skill set that we need. But often, when I talk about this to organisations, they will sort of take a deep breath and sigh and they'll say, yes, but turning a culture around, Cole, is so difficult. And I'm not entirely convinced it's as difficult as we say it is. What do you think the organisations or even leaders, individual leaders, can start doing to start shifting uh, and, and evolving their culture so that A, they can be the best organisations for these five generations of workforce, but B, that they are much more human-centric and evolutionary uh, in the in the modern context. What, what what sort of things do you think they could be doing? I think the biggest one is, is, is with what we talked about is around developing their own skills. And I, I think the most important element is self-awareness. So self-awareness is becoming so critical now you know as a, as a kind of competency that if you've got this self-awareness you're either aware of something that you're doing which isn't kind of necessarily the nice the kind of natural trait yeah. to you it's it's kind of you know you have to work on it and it's working on it learning from other leaders within the business um, on how you do that, working with a, you know, executive team where you're complementing each other. That's really important. But that self-awareness piece, I mean, you know, why are organisations out there doing so much psychometric assessments, individual self-awareness, disc profiling? It's mainly because we need to understand our own self-awareness around what we're, what we're consciously good at by default it's our natural kind of attraction and what we need to work on and that that's i think that's the fundamental number one takeaway everything starts with self-awareness for me everything really starts with self-awareness but in order for us to really become that level of self-aware we have to create the environment where people feel brave enough to give us honest feedback mm. so we have to be we have to have accurate self-awareness 
You know, we can look in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm self-aware, I look really pretty, but actually, what's the truth of but it? Self-awareness comes with this very important trait of vulnerability. So when you are self-aware, how do you actually show vulnerability? So, I mean, I've done quite a bit of disc profiling and kind of, you know, we, we talked about that previously. Mm. But that vulnerability aspect around, okay, well, I'm not so good at this, actually, or... I don't know the answer to this. I mean, you do get many leaders thinking, well, do I go and ask this question because as a leader, I'm meant to know it or I'm exposing myself to my team if I'm, I've got this lack of knowledge. But I think it's really important um, as a leader that you show that vulnerability and you're able to expose that. And that comes with emotional intelligence. So I think that's, that's the other answer. And it kind of goes in hand in hand with the self-awareness. I absolutely agree with you. I think this has been a fascinating conversation. I'm aware that you need to shoot off as well. Uh, but I just want to say on that last point around vulnerability, we might have to invite you back, but that last point on vulnerability, great piece of work that I think both of us are aware, Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lenziani. He talks about vulnerability as being the first step to building trust, which is foundational in any team and in any organisation. So vulnerability is really, really important. Arjinda, I want to say thank you so much. I've really, really enjoyed the conversation, just listening to you, uh, because it's like looking in the mirror and uh, and hearing the same conversation, but uh, with a, a depth or an angle that you've come out from, which is uh, slightly different to mine. So thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.